Paul wants us to understand that this world has nothing to offer us, that what must occupy our desires and pursuits is the kingdom of God. But it means that we must forget the past and keep our eyes on Jesus. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Well, here we are. We're uh, more than halfway through our series in Philippians, and uh, I don't know about you, but I have been enjoying it. I've been enjoying uh, sharing with you each Sunday, and uh, I have personally grown and learned and matured, and I hope the same can be said for you. Now, I'm going to ask you a question this morning, and it's pretty simple, and it's this. What is your goal in life? What is your goal in life? Fifteen years ago, I went to a conference, and the past, it was for pastors, and they were teaching pastors how to preach. And the, I'm not going to say who it was, but the man who was preaching said that it was important for us as pastors to preach how-to sermons. And there's a how-to section in the bookshop. I think most of us know what we're talking about when we talk about how-to, how to, how to build a fence, uh, how to build a deck, how to build a house, how to do your own plumbing, how to do your own electrical work, and the list goes on. Well, this, uh, this pastor who is teaching pastors uh, suggested that as we preach our sermons, we should be doing the same thing. So for instance, we're answering questions like, how, can I, how to be rich? and how to have a great marriage, and how to be healthy, and how to be healed, and how to, be, uh, how to live a long life, how to be free of pain and suffering, uh, how to be great parents, uh, how to make a difference in the world, how to make the world a better place, how to have friends, and how to keep them, how to be happy, how to find peace, how to have peace of mind, uh, how to get God to do what you want, and the list goes on and on and on. Hey, has anybody figured that out yet, how to get God to do what you want? No. We always say here that God is not, a, is not a genie, a magic genie in a bottle. And yet Christianity has suggested that, uh, especially in this last century. So here's the thing. In many cases, uh, if, you know, if you're trying to reach the lost, people that don't know Christ, uh, sermon titles like that are very attractive. And it's intriguing because people want to know, well, how do I? How do I get rich? And how do I have a great family? And I didn't know the Bible taught all of that. The problem with that kind of preaching, my friends, is this, is that there's nothing about what our real problem is. It doesn't address the real problem. It doesn't address the reasons why we get into trouble in the first place. It doesn't address the problem of sin. That's the problem. And so what happens then is you've got pastors standing up on Sunday telling you how to do all these things and how to get all these things, but it's not addressing the real problem. 
The way we put it, how we, how we would say it, is that they're not preaching the gospel. If a message, if a sermon does not preach Christ and him crucified, if there's nothing of the atonement, then you don't have the gospel being preached. What you have is a motivational message. Some of us uh, uh, experienced that recently. We heard a sermon uh, this past week. It, it was not the gospel. It was motivational. It was interesting. But if anything, it actually left me feeling kind of hopeless because it made me feel that, that if God's going to do anything in this world, that all depends on me. It doesn't say anything about the work of Christ. It says nothing of the sovereignty of God. So I want you to be clear today of what a real problem is. And the problem is there's, there's sin. There's sin in us. Or as the Puritan John Owen would say, there's indwelling sin that has to be dealt with. So this new way of preaching in North America, there's no call for repentance. There's no call to come to God in uh, in. in with confession in our hearts, and there's definitely no call to even believe God and obey him. Well, folks, this simply is not acceptable. This is not biblical. It's not scriptural. It's not what God has called us to do. So here's what sin says. Um, Look at this. I had that special slide, and I forgot to put it up. How to. I'll remember it in the second service. So come next for the next hour. Here's what sin says. Sin says, I will believe what I want, and I will do what I want to do. Everybody would agree with that, right? Basically, that's been your problem all along. Would everybody say amen to that? I'm going to do what I want, and I'm going to believe what I want. We understand that God has called us to live by faith. I will believe God. Faith is, I will believe God, and I will do what he says. That's what faith is. Believe God and do what he says. A writer of Hebrews says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. So, Paul tells us what our real goal in life should be. In fact, it is his personal goal, and we talked about it last week. Paul's goal is, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. That's Paul's, that sums up his whole life. That's all he is living for. And so this morning... Um, I want you to understand something. The, the thing that, that, that Paul wants is he wants the, the perfection that comes through faith in Christ. This is what it says in verse 9. If you have your Bibles, I hope you're looking at it. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, he says, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. So this is Paul's great goal. He wants to know Christ. He wants to experience the perfection that comes through Christ. Now, some of us here today would say, oh, Pastor Allen, uh, I'm a perfectionist. Do you have any perfectionists here? Just nod at me or wink at me. Well, there's, there's, there's some people who approach Christianity like that. I, I, if I could just be good enough, and I could, if I just be holy enough, then I can win enough points with God so that I can get into heaven. How many know that's not how it works? You cannot gain any brownie points with God. God does not have a ledger where he's keeping track of all your good works and all your bad. He's not Santa Claus. <laughs> that's not what God does. In fact, there's only one book, one ledger, and it is the Lamb's Book of Life. And the only way that you get your name in the Lamb's Book of Life is through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, so we're all in the same, same path here. So here's his goal. He wants to know Christ. He wants the perfection of Christ. 
And he's, he's definitely not satisfied with his own perfection. Remember, we talked about the whole list of things that Paul was, was, was actually able to brag about at one time. But he finally came to the place where he says, it's, I count it all as dung. It means it's meaningless. There's only one thing that matters, and that is knowing Christ, having the perfection of Christ. Is everybody clear about this? What is our goal? It's to gain the perfection of Christ. So how do we do that? Well, by knowing him and by experiencing the power of God in us that raised Christ from the dead. Folks, this is available to every one of us. And what you need to understand is that this should be the thing that is filling your heart and and motivating you. Now, I'm going to just tell you these sermons, these how-to sermons are utterly useless Next time you hear a, a how-to sermon, uh, then you need to start packing your bags and walking away. It's useless. How-to is useless unless it's about Jesus. Remember, solus Christus, Christ alone? We have to understand that. That is what the gospel is all about. That's what church is all about. That's what our Christian faith is all about. We need to know Christ. So the question then is how do we achieve what Paul is talking about here? Well, let's take a look then at uh, our text this morning, Philippians chapter 3. We're looking at the first half of verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained this perfection, or am already perfect. Now, I just want you to be clear of that because some of you may be reading your Bible and you're not exactly sure what Paul's talking about there. So I put in parentheses perfection so you know what he's talking about. He's talking about the perfection of Christ. Not that I've already obtained this perfection of Christ or am already perfect, but I press on to make it, that is perfection, my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Now, Paul has been a Christian for 30 years and he can say this. You getting this? Some of you who, who are struggling in your faith and you feel like, I can't do this and I'm not going to make it, I don't know how I'm going to do this, you need to understand that Paul, who has been a Christian for 30 years, is still saying this. He says, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't mastered it yet. God, I'm still a work in progress. How many here today are a work in progress? God's not finished with Alan Duncalf yet. And some of you say, Amen. <laughs> you walked right into that, didn't you? <laughs> I'm still a work in progress, and guess what? So are you, every one of you. We're a work in progress. God's not finished with us yet. And I love it that Paul is so honest about this because that gives me hope. The greatest Christian who ever lived is saying, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't found perfection yet. I haven't quite made it yet. But thanks be to God, God is doing his work in my life. Hallelujah. He knows he's still not perfect. He knows that he still fails. He knows that he still sins. In fact, this is what we read in Romans chapter 7. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Oh, wretched man that I am. What's my hope? Jesus Christ is my hope. Christ is my hope. So you're sitting here today, and you maybe feel guilty because you've done things or said things or, 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 or thought things you shouldn't this past week, and you wonder, well, has God given up on me? And the answer to that is no, he has not given up on you. You're still a work in progress. And thanks be to God, he who began a good work in me is faithful to complete it. Can you think of better news than that? Well, that's it, my friends. 
So here's Paul. He's, he's confessing clearly that he, he does not know Christ as much as he should. He's, he's confessing that he has still not completely known the power of the resurrection as fully as he could. He, he knows that he has not suffered too much. He knows that he's not yet shared in Christ's death. That's verse 10 and 11. He knows that he hasn't got there yet, but that's what he's pressing on to. You know, <laughs> I said last week that one of the things that really inspires and thrills me is that my dad is still growing in his faith. It just absolutely delights me. And, and it just so happened that, that last week I was talking to my father-in-law, Gloria's dad, and my dad, and they were both sharing with me things that God was showing them and ways that God is helping them to grow. And they're in their 80s. And here's what you need to know, is that you and I need to keep growing until the day that Jesus Christ takes us home. You get that? Some people think, well, when I retire from my job, then I can sit around and do nothing. Absolutely not. You need to keep studying, keep learning, keep growing. That's what the Apostle Paul was doing. He was looking for the perfection of Christ. And that perfection of Christ comes through faith in Christ. I'm astonished at the number of people who call themselves followers of Christ, who don't care about their growth in Christ. I've, I, uh, I've known people from my very earliest days at the first church that I went to, at Calvary Temple. And this is not a, a reflection on Calvary Temple, by no means. It just so happens that that was the church I grew up in. But I've met people along the way who haven't grown an inch. They haven't matured at all. There's no development, no growth. They are exactly the same today as they were 40 years ago. How can that be? Well, let me ask you that question. Have you grown at all in the last year, in the last few years? Are you a different person? I know some of you have grown powerfully and mightily, and it's an absolute de delight and a joy to see what God is doing in your life. But some of you, uh, there's, there's room for improvement. Would you say amen to that? Amen. So here's, here's the thing. We must understand we must understand where we are in terms of our growth. So I just want to share with you a few things that are indicators as to whether you have grown in your faith or not. So here's one. Uh, you still don't know the scripture. You go to church maybe on a regular basis, but you don't read your Bible on a re regular basis. You don't really know what the Bible says. You, you don't know your doctrine. And by the way, if you come to church every Sunday, I'm going to teach you the doctrines of scripture. I'm going to help you understand what it is that you believe and what you don't believe. Because that is a big problem now, especially in, in the West. People believe things that are lies, that are what we would call heresies. There's one big church in Winnipeg, again, I'm not going to name it, but the pastor preaches uh, an, an ancient heresy that Jesus Christ, when he came to this earth, that Jesus laid down his deity and... and uh, and while he was doing his ministry on earth, he, he was not divine. This is a heresy, people. Jesus was wholly divine and wholly human while he was on this earth. This is what made it possible for him to pay the penalty for our sin. So you come to this church, you're going to hear the doctrines. And by the way, it's not the doctrine that was just made up in the last century. This is the ancient doctrine that's been handed down to us for 2,000 years. That's what you're going to hear here at Cross Church. So the question then is this, are you growing in your faith or are you still, as Hebrews says, are you still taking milk? 
You still don't know the Bible. You've been, you've been going to church all this time, and maybe your, your, your mind drifts, you're saying, well, Pastor Allen, I've got ADHD, I can't concentrate. But here's what you have to do then. If you've got ADHD, sit in the front row, and I guarantee you, you'll concentrate. I remember one of the teachers in Bible college, we, we Bible college students, we had to go to chapel once a week, and, um, and of course, had times of prayer and what, whatever, he would always say, come on up to the front where the water runs deep. Yeah. And at first, I had no idea what he was talking about. There's no water here. But I you know, finally you know, clicked. I understood what he was saying. The closer you are to the front, the closer you are to hearing the word of God and the less distractions. Amen? Amen. So you sit up here. You hear the word of God preached. And you're paying careful attention because Pastor Allen can see whether you're doodling or not. <laughs> or whether you're taking notes. Are you growing? That's, that's a sign. That's a sign that you are, you're moving in the right direction. Yeah, if you're growing, you're going to be wise. You're going to have discernment. I am shocked at the number of people. Never mind, never, never mind the laity. Did you know you're called lay, the laity? You're lay people? I'm a professional. I'm a professional pastor. I'm a professional Christian, and you're laity. Well, I am shocked at the number of people who are actually in the ministry who are supposed to be professionals that have no wisdom, no discernment. They do not have the ability to understand what is acceptable and unacceptable. So I have watched pastors in this city over the last almost 30 years jump on every crazy bandwagon that goes through town. You know what I'm talking about. Here at this church, I protect you against all manner of crazy doctrine and teaching. You don't even know it. You don't know how safe you are here. But I'll tell you, if you have wisdom, if you know the scripture, if, if you're asking God for wisdom, then you're going to be able to discern between what is right and what is wrong. But man, there are people are just ready to jump on and jump on and embrace any crazy teaching that goes through the church. Are you mature or are you still childish? You get your feelings hurt. Somebody said something, that's it, I'm not your friend anymore, I don't love you anymore. You know what? (laughs) As soon as you get two people together, you're going to have a fight at some point, right? Where two humans are involved, there's politics. Everybody knows that? Yeah. And here's, here's what you need to know is that if you are following Christ, then you learn how to overlook the slights. And people are going to slight you. They're going to, they're going to do things that are going to hurt your feelings. That's not a reason to say, that's it, I'm not your friend anymore. But you, what do you do? Well, you do what Jesus would do. What would Jesus do? He would forgive. How many times? 70 times 7. Yes, indeed, 70 times 7. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to love you. I don't care what you say to me. I'm going to love you. You can't stop me from loving you. That's what we call maturity. That's what we call Christian maturity. Or we call it the perfection of Christ. Because if Christ can love me, Alan Duncalf, regardless of what I have done or said or thought, then, folks, guess what? I can love others who hurt my feelings. Do you get that? Yeah. yeah, that's a sign of growth. Some of us are still fighting the same old battle. Some are still holding grudges. Some are still bitter. Uh, some of us are worry wards, and we like to tell people, I'm a worry ward. I wouldn't brag about that if I were you. I'm, 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 a, fearful, I'm a, f- a fearful kind of person. That's nothing to brag about. 
That's a problem. That's a sign of immaturity. It's a sign that you haven't grown yet. And if you've been a Christian for any length of time, this is something that you should have mastered by now. And so Paul says, not that I've obtained all this perfection or am already perfect, but I press on to make it. That is Christ's perfection, my own. Some are are still uh, very selfish, very stingy, self-centered. I remember we had a millionaire visit one of our uh, banquets, our VOH banquets, and he was bragging to me after I sponsored a child. I, said, I wanted to say, that's nothing. I know people in this church who sponsor 27 kids. I wouldn't brag if I were you. One kid is good, but 30 would be much better, especially since you're a millionaire, right? Yeah, well, the, the only redeeming thing I can say about this poor millionaire is that I don't think he was a believer. So maybe if he gets saved, maybe, maybe if he becomes a Christian, he's going to learn the perfection that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, there's the other problem. There's not just the immaturity problem, but there's those who think they're perfect already. There's some people who go to church, oh, I'm a, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm better than anybody. I'm one of the best people in the church, if you want to know. Pastor Allen was going to give me a badge to say how, how wonderful I am. I know, I know a lot of people like that. They're what we call Pharisees. They, they think they've arrived. They think that they've got it all together, got it all figured out. I'm one of the elite. Remember, there's 6,000 Pharisees in Israel. These were the elites of Israel. And they, they really believed that they were it, and they had beautiful, long-flowing robes, and that they go for a walk. And uh, they're not walking straight ahead. They're looking around to see who's watching them because they want to be seen. This is what, Paul, this is what Jesus said, isn't it, in the Sermon on the Mount? The Pharisees, they want to be seen because they're so righteous. And it's a lot of people like that. They think they've arrived. They think, that, well, I've been a Christian for all these years. I've been a Sunday school teacher for many years. I've been on the board for many years. Well... They'd like to tell everybody how wonderful they are, but they don't have a clue. No, the Apostle Paul sets for us a wonderful example. Not that I've already obtained this perfection or am already perfect, but I press on to make it, that is the perfection of Christ, my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Isn't that wonderful news? Don't you love it that Jesus has made you his very own, even though you're not perfect? But you, you see, this is the gospel. This is the good news, that we have the perfection of Jesus Christ. He embraces us, and we embrace him back, and we receive his perfection. Hallelujah. That's what we're talking about. So some, some people are like Paul. They love to brag about their past achievements. Remember, remember the apostle Paul and his, his bragging earlier on in the chapter? I was an eighth dayer. That is, I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm a Hebrew among Hebrews. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Pharisee keeping 613 laws. I was righteous, faultless, blameless, zealous. I'm the best of the best, the perfect Jew. And then he finds out it's all worth nothing. The only thing that matters is faith in Jesus Christ. Can I remind everybody what faith is? We already said it here. Faith is believing God and doing what he says. Believe Jesus and do what he says. And when you do that, you have the righteousness of Christ. Really important that you understand this, because if you don't get that, then you don't get Christianity. You haven't got a clue what it's about. You want to know what Christianity is? It's faith in Christ, believing him, and doing what he says. So, Let's look at the second half of that verse. Paul says, I press on to make it the perfection of Christ, my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. 
How has Christ called you and made you his own? How has he done that? Well, I'll tell you very simply. Uh, he, he came to this world. And as it says in John chapter 1, I think verse 12, he came and he pitched his tent among us. He tabernacled amongst us. He came to dwell with us so that he could live for us, so that we could learn how to live by looking at, at his life and listening to what he preached. And if, it were, if that were not enough, then he went and he died for us. He took upon himself the death penalty, which God, against, again, pronounced in Genesis chapter 2. Remember that? Every one of us. Every one of us is lost, Paul tells us in the book of Romans. There's none righteous, no, not one. Every one of us is under condemnation. But Christ came, he lived for us, and then he came and died for us, and then he cleansed us of our sin. And then through Christ, we are adopted into the family of God. And I'm looking here today at people who have been adopted into the family of God. And even though we come from, some of us from different countries, different nations, different races, different genders, it matters not, we're all a family through Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? So I'm your brother. If you're a Christian, and you are my brothers and sisters, if you're Christians, because through Christ you've been adopted. Isn't that amazing what Christ has done because of Jesus Christ? But wait, there's more. (laughs) He gave us his word. He gave us his word so that you could know him. The word of God is the revelation of the mind of God. And not just his word, but he's given us his Holy Spirit so that when you read the word of God, watch this, folks, something supernatural happens. You're not, this is not like reading Mark Twain or reading, reading the Tale of Two Cities or Dickens or, or Leo Tolstoy's War and Peace. This is Holy Scripture. When you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit shows up and reveals to you the truth that you need to set you free. Something supernatural happens when you read the word of God. He equips you to be conformed to his own image. Did you know that that's God's great goal for you? We know what our goal should be. Our goal is is to have the righteousness of Christ, to have that perfection of Christ. And God's great goal for us, well, some of you didn't know that God had a goal. He has has one great goal, and that is that every one of us conforms or is shaped or molded to the image of Christ. So today you know what your goal needs to be, and now you know what God's goal is. Now you know what it is that God's doing in your life, because some of you, you're quite frankly, you're wondering, what is God doing? I don't understand God's ways. I don't understand why things are happening the way. Why do I have this struggle? Why do I have these problems? Why am I facing this suffering? It seems like I'm being disciplined. What is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. God's working on you. He's not finished with you. And that's why the writer of Hebrews says, rejoice and be glad that you are counted amongst God's children because the Bible says God disciplines those whom he loves. So God's working on you. He's not finished with you. And thank God, God's working in me and he's not finished with me and he does all this for the great glory of his name. He's preparing me for eternal life. Now, Paul is using uh, the metaphor of the athlete, the track and field athlete. He's talking about the importance of training hard. Some give up on Christ for various reasons. They don't want suffering. They want the path of least resistance. How many of you know what I'm talking about? 
You want to do it the easy way. Pastor Al, can't we get a Reader's Digest Bible? Do you know Reader's Digest really did come up with a Reader's Digest Bible? It was just a brief thing. It was just really condensed. Just told lots of the interesting stories. Basically, it cut out all the important stuff. But it was a brief Bible. And that's, oh, that's just, just exactly what I was hoping for, Pastor Alan. You know what? Uh, one of the things I used to hate when I played hockey is that we'd have to get up early, 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 early in the morning. And I, I, the alarm would go off, and I think to myself, I just fell asleep like five minutes ago, and now i got to get up. And I didn't want to get up. And I thought, well, maybe I'll phone in and say I quit. I don't want to do this anymore. And in those days, my parents did not drive us to the hockey rink. We got dressed and got our own stuff together and went alone, walked. I lived in, in East Coldon, or in Elmwood. We had to walk to the top of the street to the community center, and there we played hockey. By the time I got there and dressed and had a hot chocolate and ready to, to play hockey, I was glad that I was there. But I would have missed all that if I had chosen the path of least resistance. And that's what people are trying to do nowadays, especially when it comes to Christianity. Pastor, tell me the easy way. I don't want to do the hard way. Give me the religion that is easy to follow. Well, folks, there's a lot of churches that will give you that. I told you uh, just a week or two ago about, about the girl that told one of the young men that's been attending our church, he's not converted yet, but he, he was talking about how he went to a certain large church in the city, and he, he was invited to, to, to return, and he told the girl, he says, I'm not interested in that. I'm not interested in being entertained. He says, if I want to be entertained, I'm going to go to a theater. It's way better there than any church I've ever been to. He says, I'm not interested in that. I want to know the truth. I want to know what it's all about. I want to know God. I did not come to church to be entertained. I can go to the theater for that. This is a guy that's not converted. How is it possible that we as Christians don't understand that? You did not come to church this morning to be entertained. You came to church to know God, to know Jesus Christ. And so here you are. And some people say, ah, it's too hard, too difficult. I, I, I can't do it anymore. I, I can't do this Christian life anymore. I, I've been praying for things, and God hasn't been answering my prayers. And some of you grew up thinking that, that if you tithed or gave money, according to the prosperity teachers, that God would make you rich. I know one, young, one man, uh, this goes back some years ago, he's a man that I bought Gloria's diamond ring, her engagement ring from, and uh, he, he joined a certain church where they were preaching prosperity, and guess what happened? He didn't get the prosperity. He didn't get the prosperity the way he thought he should get it. And so consequently, he turned away from God. I want nothing to do with this. I didn't get, I didn't get what was promised. Well, the problem is, is that the scripture didn't, never promises that. That was a preacher that wants to get rich. And so he left, he left God altogether. Some people say, I, I, I got to give up. I didn't get healed or I don't feel anything. But can I remind you of something this morning? Paul says, I press on. I'm pressing on in the power of the Holy Spirit. That word press on, the oko, means to chase or to pursue like an athlete in a race. In August 2nd, 1936, Jesse Owens was the most successful athlete at the games in Hitler's Germany. Remember that? Some of you remember that? I don't. I wasn't born yet. But anyways, I remember reading about it. And uh, he was the most successful. He won four gold medals. He broke three world records and then tied for, on the fourth one. 
And he won it in the 100 meter, the 200 meter, the long, long jump, and also in the relay. And, uh, and the papers at the time said that Jesse Owens single-handedly crushed Hitler's myth of Aryan supremacy. Isn't that fantastic? Fantastic. How did, how did Jesse Owens get there? How was he so successful? I'll tell you. He wasn't afraid of hard work. He wasn't afraid of pressing on. He wasn't afraid of chasing and pursuing his goal. And this is what Paul wants us to understand. We're, we're in a race. We have to press on. So here's the thing, my friends. When you and I say, God, I, I need your grace to press on to the perfection of Christ, then this is what God tell, says to us. He says, well, I've given you the word of God, and I've given you my Holy Spirit. The, together, those two things give you all that you need to run the race and to win the race. Did you get that? We run the race in the power of the Holy Spirit and with the enabling of his scripture, of his word. But then the other thing that has to happen, my friends, if you're going to press on, and if I'm going to press on, is that you actually have to obey what God says. The minute you stop obeying God is the minute that your faith dries up. Remember, faith is believing God and doing what he says. So if you're not doing what he says, my friends, you don't have faith. It's as plain and simple as that. Now, the, the faith teachers will tell you that faith is like a magic power. And if you just muster it up, if you just get enough of this, then you can get what you want. You can speak that BMW into existence. Have you ever, ever heard of such nonsense? It's utter nonsense. It's baloney. I could use one of Paul's words, but I won't this morning. Oh, yes, I will. It's dung. <laughs> no, the faith that we're talking about is very practical. Very, very practical. You believe God. That means what you read, you say, okay, God said it, I believe it, and now I'm going to do it. That's, a, that's, that's it. That's how you press on. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. This is what we just, I just finished pointing out to you how difficult it is. You don't always get your answers to prayer. God doesn't always make sense. You don't always understand why he does what he does. I don't understand why this is happening. But you press on. You keep believing God, and you do, do what he says. Imagine that Abraham and Sarah, God says one day, all right, you two, I want you to leave Ur and go where I'm telling you. Imagine Abraham going to tell his wife, Sarah. Sarah, God said you're supposed to leave town. And she's, yeah, okay, where are we going? I don't know. But we're going to pack up everything. We're going to call the movers. We're going to, like, all our servants and all our, yeah, we're going to do that. And you don't know where you're going. That's right. And where are we going to live? I don't know. And how are we going to feed the sheep? I don't know. How are we going to feed the servants? I don't know. But we're going. Does it make sense exactly? She says, it doesn't make sense exactly. This is lunacy. Sometimes what God tells us to do does seem like lunacy, doesn't it? Like, forgive people who have hurt me? That sounds like lunacy to me. And yet, because God says it, I'm going to do it. And then watch what God will do. Wow, this is powerful stuff. So Paul says, I press on. Believe God and do what he says. Wow. And I'm telling you, folks, there's going to be some testing and some growing. Remember in, in verse 10, he's, Paul says, I want, to, I want to share in the suffering I want to share in his suffering? Really? 
What kind of Christianity is this? Pastor Allen, this is not the way to get people into membership at your church by telling them that they need to suffer. Well, listen, if you're an athlete, that's all you do. You just suffer. (laughs) Why? Because you're pressing on to win the race. You're going to do whatever it takes. And here's what Paul says to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. So he says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet They produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, but rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen, for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. Hallelujah. So folks, you're going through a bit of suffering right now? Don't don't panic. Don't worry. Don't sweat it. Go through it a little bit. It's not going to kill you. God's, God's in control. And what's the worst thing that can happen if it does kill you? You go to heaven. Yeah. To live as Christ, Paul says earlier in Philippians, to live as Christ, to die is gain. It's not a problem. This is the kind of Christianity that nobody is hearing nowadays. And yet this is biblical Christianity 101. Yeah, just, you're going to go through a bit of suffering, through a bit of a struggle. Things aren't, you're going to be tested. You're going to... You're going to be developing and learning and growing, but God's not finished with you. So how do we find this perfection? Well, here's what Paul says. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made perfection my own yet. He says, I haven't arrived yet. I'm not perfect yet, which always blows my mind. The greatest Christian, the greatest missionary, the greatest church planter, the greatest theologian of all time says, I haven't, I haven't arrived yet. I'm not perfect yet. I think, well, if Paul can say that, well, then I've got, I got a great, bright future ahead of me. He says, but one thing I do. Well, let's just stop there. Well, no, let's read it first. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, I do not consider that I've made it my own. Yeah, Paul is freely confessing that he fails. And he, you know, listen, there's a great liberty, my friends, in confessing your sin. Has anybody ever confessed their sin? A great, great liberty in that. It's, and you don't have to pretend to be perfect. This is why I, as your pastor, on a regular basis, uh, I, I tattle on myself. I tell you how imperfect I am. And I tell you about my failings. Because I want you to understand, I'm in a work in progress just like you. I don't always get it right. I, I sin. I fall short of the glory of God. But the good news is that God's not finished with me. And, and God's not finished with Paul as he writes this. The next thing I want you to see, he says, but one thing I do. Now, here's, here's what is so lacking now in North American Christianity. We've gotten so sidetracked from the main thing. But Paul reminds us that it is the main thing. The main thing is to know Christ by faith, believing him and doing what he says. And this has to be our life goal. We need to say with the Apostle Paul, one thing I do. So if somebody asks you about your Christianity, just say this, one thing I do. I know Christ. That's it. I committed my life to knowing Jesus Christ. You know, when people come to church on Sunday, they hear a sermon and they think, oh man, I wish that my brother-in-law were here because he needed to hear that. Or I wish my kids could have heard this. Or I wish my parents, oh, I wish they could have heard this. But folks, it's for you. You're the one that needs to hear this. 
You're the one that God's working on. So what you need to do is say with the Apostle Paul, one thing I do is I let God work in me and completely shape me and mold me and make me like Christ. The next thing I want you to see, he says, forgetting what lies behind. Now, for many of us, we always are looking to the past. We're looking to what God did yesterday. And as Brenda said in our staff devotions this past week, there's a reason why the rearview mirror is only tiny and the windshield is massive. Because <laughs> you're not, you can't drive looking at the rearview mirror. You need to look through that windshield. You've got your whole future ahead of you, and the Holy Spirit is leading you and guiding you. So forget what's behind you. Some of you have accomplished great things in the past, and some people, that's all they talk about. Well, I remember the day when I did this or I did that. And, and like the Apostle Paul, they're bragging about your past. Paul says, I forget about that. And this is the guy that's the theologian. He's the guy that's planted churches everywhere. This is the guy that is the greatest Christian. He says, I forget all that. I forget all the, the wonderful things. I'm pressing on. There's great things ahead. But folks, it's not just the good things that Paul is forgetting. He's also forgetting the bad things. Because some of us right now feel like our past is like a weight around our neck, so we can't move forward. We're constantly thinking about the past and thinking, well, how could God forgive me? How could God use me? How could God bless me? Could God possibly forget my past? Could God possibly forgive all the horrible things I've done? And the answer to that is yes. Yes, absolutely. Look at Paul's past. He was killing people. Anybody here kill anybody? Not yet. <laughs> That's how I feel, too. Paul, Paul was killing Christians, having them killed off. But he says, forgetting what is behind me, forgetting the past, I press on. And some of you right now have got to let go of your past. You've got to remember what God says. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed your sin from you. That's interesting. He says, as far as the east is from the west and not as far as the north is from the south. How many know that you can go from point A to point B? You can go from the north to the south, Right? Everybody has seen a globe, right? Yeah, this is a smart church, right? You can get from the North Pole to the South Pole, and it's, it's a limited distance. But I defy you to go from the East to the West. You can never reach it. The more I go East, that's all I get is more East. I can never get to the West. Do you see what I'm saying there, how that works? Does that blow your mind? As far as the East is from the West, so far has God removed your sin from you. Hallelujah. Forget the past. It's over. It's gone. And folks, listen, the old you is dead. Remember, we buried you. We did the baptism. The old you is dead. It's buried, and it's a brand new you. Hallelujah. So you can actually talk about your old self as though it is a completely different person because it is a different person. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. That's the gospel. And Paul says, forgetting what lies behind, I strain forward. Folks, listen, that word uh, uh, straining, epictimoni, it means to stretch. I don't know if you've ever seen any... uh, uh, photo finish videos. You ever seen that? And they're getting to the getting to the finish line, and you can see one guy is pressing forward like this because he's trying to get across that finish line before the guy beside him on either side. You've seen that? That's the word. It's there, here it says it's it's a press on. 
but it's it's actually a straining. It's a stretching. I gotta get. I gotta get there. I'm gonna get to where God wants me to go. You see the the picture? You're not giving up. You, you've had a defeat. Things didn't go right. Someone offended you. You got your feelings hurt. Let it go. Forget it. It's behind you. Now press on towards Jesus Christ. Don't give up. And that means you might have to get rid of a few habits. It might mean that you've got to get a few, get rid of a few friends. You may need to get new friends. Maybe you need to get a new Bible, one that you can actually understand. Maybe you need to cancel TV. Maybe you need to cancel your social media. Maybe you need to cancel certain activities. But folks, you're going to do whatever it takes because you're stretching, you're straining, you're pushing. You're trying to get across that finish line. You get the picture? You're doing whatever it takes. Listen, you are a work in progress. You thought when you became a Christian, that's it. Done? No, let's go do something else. Time to go to Disney World. Time to do something else. No, no, no. Your Christian life is a process. You're on a journey. And folks, we call this this process, you've heard me say it a million times, it's sanctification. God's shaping you, molding you. He's making you become like Jesus. And you're going to keep on stretching and pushing and straining until you get to the finish line. In which case, when you arrive in heaven, you will know Christ and you'll begin to understand what it is to be glorified. So this is the goal. The goal is Christ and his perfection. Now, I'm going to just close with this. The Apostle Paul, remember now, the Apostle Paul is absolutely thrilled by this because he's been a Pharisee all of his adult life. Here's a guy that is seeking to be perfect. And once he discovered Christ, he discovered he's far from perfect. In fact, when Jesus preaches a Sermon on the Mount, he actually preaches more than just Old Testament laws of God. He now talks about the spirit of the law. Now that's where it really gets tricky because Jesus says, thou shalt not murder, you've heard that, but he says, if you are angry at your brother, you've murdered him in your heart. That's God's high standard, and Paul knows it now. And this guy who's been, who has faultlessly kept 613 laws understands now that God's standard is way higher than that, and he discovers this. He can't do it on his own. He can do the, he can do the laws, the don't, the don't murder part, but how do I refrain from, from being angry? Well, thanks be to God. He's given us Jesus, and by his Spirit, we're able to live We're enabled to live like Christ. And now, Paul says, I am going to have the perfection of Christ. And this was his great goal his entire life. And he couldn't couldn't do it on his own, he discovered. But he can be perfect through Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? In verses 15 to 16, it says, let those of us who are mature think this way. Remember we talked about baby Christians? Some of us are still babies. It's time to grow up, time to mature, time to be like Christ. It's time for us to mature. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Remember, Paul is dealing with these Judaizers. He's trying to teach the Philippian Christians and all the Christians around the world. They're trying to teach them that the way to find Christ and to please God is by being Jewish. And, Jesus, and Paul said, come on, grow up now. 
You can't attain that kind of holiness, that kind of righteousness on your own. It's not possible. But you can through faith in Christ. And God is revealing that to you even now as you stand here this morning. And he says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. Folks, what have you attained? You have attained you have received, you have embraced, you're holding on to this morning, the righteousness of Christ. And that, my friends, is what makes you right with God. That, my friends, is what gives you the hope of eternal life, that if you drop dead right now, you're going right to heaven. We'll be sorry to see you go, but we'll be happy for you. Amen? Amen. Wow. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. We thank you for your word, which reveals the good news about Jesus Christ. And God, we pray that you'd forgive us for thinking that somehow we could be righteous according to our own efforts. God, we can't. There's only one thing that you've asked. And Jesus told us in John 3, 16, that, that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him we'll have eternal life. God, that's what we need to do this morning. We need to get our focus on Christ. We need to know Christ. We need to study Christ. We need to study our word and know Jesus. And God, I pray that you would help us to do that today and that we would know growth in our church and growth in the believers of our church, that we would bring glory to your name. Thank you, Lord. We have your perfection. And that, and that God, by your spirit, you have covered our imperfection by the blood of Jesus. You don't see our imperfection. You see the perfection of Christ. That's what is ours. That's what we embrace. That's why you love us. And that's why we can come running back to you over and over and over again, even when we failed you. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said it? Amen. Tell the person beside you, have the perfection of Christ.